Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We welcome you along to the programme with John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And where else can we start at the, prog- the programme today except by mentioning Marion Finucane and she was described as a defining voice of the nation when it was announced that she'd passed away yesterday at the age of 69. It's, it's understood that she'd returned from a holiday in India. She'd been over to India to attend a wedding actually with her son Jack but she must have flown back on her own because I know there's no funeral arrangements at the moment because they're waiting on Jack returning from India so I don't know if Jack was living in India or whether he stayed on you know, to extend his holiday and of course his mum came back home because she was due to be back on the airwaves on her weekend show tomorrow morning so she hadn't been unwell at all and I think that was one of the things when the news broke yesterday I mean it just stunned me when I heard that Marion Finucane had passed away and I straight away was thinking that when we heard the news that Gay Byrne had passed away it was kind of like we were expecting it. We knew that Gay Byrne hadn't been well and then when Gay Byrne didn't show up at uh, his wife Kathleen Watkins, the launch of her second book, people were thinking he must be very unwell because he would do everything to support Kathleen with her new book and then of course it was within a couple of weeks of that that the news broke that Gay Byrne had passed away and everyone was very sad and and, you know we remembered Gay Byrne and spoke about that we would never see his likes uh, again and here we are, little did we think, within a few weeks we would be saying the very same thing about Marion Finucane because I think I really don't think we will see her uh, likes uh, again and I had the honour of meeting her only once it was in 2008 at the Radio Awards and she was there that night to be presented with the Lifetime Achievement Award a well deserved Lifetime Achievement Award and we were at the like the drinks reception, you know, like the champagne reception before the radio awards. And I saw her come in and she was surrounded by you know, her producers and other RTE heads. And it was a big night for her to be picking up this uh, award. And I soul searched about would I go over, will I say something? And I kind of took a quick drink of my champagne to give me a bit of Dutch courage. And I went over and tapped her on the shoulder and introduced myself and said, look, sorry to disturb you, won't keep you long, you know, just want to have a quick chat and to congratulate her on picking up the Lifetime Achievement Award. And then I said to her that one of the greatest compliments I get when I'm on air is every now and again somebody will call me Marion or I'll get a text message in to say, hi Marion. And I always, it makes me chuckle and it makes me proud to think that anyone would think in the same breath that I could be anything like Marion Finucane. And she got a kick out of that and she told me that she had cork roots and maybe that's why I sounded a bit like her. And it was just lovely 
lovely. It was just one of those lovely short little moments where I got to speak to somebody that I have had huge admiration for and somebody as a female broadcaster I always aspired to be. I would never get anywhere near the levels that that woman was at. Um, So it was just a great honour for me. And the tributes obviously started to pour in yesterday for Marion when the news broke. Would you believe she worked with RT for almost 50 years? And I think some people were surprised to hear that she would have been 70 next May. And I don't think her 70th birthday would have stopped her in any way. I think she would have continued on. I, I There was no, there didn't, certainly didn't seem to be any talk of her ever retiring. And in that 50 years, she became a household name through presenting radio shows such as Women Today and Liveline. And Women Today was probably the first show that she started out with. And that then morphed into Liveline. And then she continued Liveline. And then it was Joe Duffy who took on Liveline. But it was, it was let's be honest, let's call it spade a spade. It was Marion Finucane who established Liveline and made it the programme that it still is today. And some of the tributes that came in yesterday, including uh, Dee Forbes, who is, of course, Director General of RTE. Dee says, from women today to Liveline to her weekly radio show on Radio One. And remember, that's when she took over from Gay Byrne when he retired in 1999 from the weekday show she took that on and then latterly her enormous popular Saturday and Sunday radio programme uh, Dee Forbes said she tackled the big social issues of the day with command and with insight Amoya Doherty of course who was chair of RTE she said Marion was a pioneer in women's broadcasting and was rightly renowned for her fearless yet human interview technique many who worked in broadcasting today male and female owe a great debt to uh, Marion Finucane and then Joe Duffy obviously he's been talking quite a lot about Marion Finucane and he says that a lot of people don't remember her radio programme Women Today and that the fact that that then morphed into Liveline he said she was doing a women's show when it was neither favourable nor profitable that led into Liveline and she was the voice of reason and everyone got a fair hearing in all this time Joe Duffy said I never knew her party politics. That's why she was so popular. She inspired an incredible trust in people, regardless of who they uh, were. I think that's uh, well put by uh, Joe Duffy. And journalist Olivia O'Leary praised her ability to ask the kind of questions that her audience would want answered. The wonderful thing she said about Marion Finucane was that as an interviewer and as a presenter, she never needed to show how clever she was or how much she knew. She was never afraid to ask what might sound like a stupid question. She asked the simple question and she kept on asking it until she got an answer. And I think a little bit like Gay Byrne, she had that wonderful ability as well to listen. I mean, you can ask all the questions you want, but you need to listen to what the responses are. And she would know when, as Gay Byrne was the same, when the answer came back, if she needed more information, she'd go at it and go at it in the simplest of ways and I think Olivia O'Leary is right like she never went out to try to be clever or to try to show the audience oh look how clever I am and I think that's that's something that a lot of people can learn from and then when you look back at all of the many many interviews that Marion Finucane did when you look at the standout ones there was one I think 
that any of us that were lucky enough to hear it live and many who didn't then went to hear it as a podcast afterwards. It was a moment, I think, where a nation held its breath and stood still and listened. And of course, I'm speaking about the interview that she did with her very close friend, the writer Nula Ofuelo. And it was about a month before Nulo Fuelon died that Marion sat down with her and they pre-recorded this interview. And it was Nula Ofuelon talking about the fact that she'd been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Now, she did have the option of chemotherapy, but she passed on it because she said the quality of time she would have left with chemotherapy just wouldn't, wasn't the quality of life that she wanted. And she also said, and it was one of those one of those sentences that have, has always stayed in my mind was Nulo Fuelon saying that when she got the news that it was terminal cancer and that she only had weeks left to live, she said that the goodness went out of her life and that all the colour went out of her life. And it was almost like she was now living in this black and white world. And it was just such a moving interview. And I remember at the start of it, Marion Finucane explaining to people uh, you know, what a deep interview this was going to be and that if somebody themselves had recently had a terminal diagnosis or had a family member who had a terminal diagnosis warning them in advance that this was going to be a tough interview for them and giving them the option then if they didn't want to listen. But what really got to me when I was listening to the interview was the fact that here was somebody's best friend talking to their best friend about the fact that they didn't have long to live and she held it together in such a professional way and in such a moving way. And, you know, Marion, you were rarely heard Marion Finucane cry on air. It's it's the one thing that I, unfortunately, some would say fortunately or unfortunately, I can never control my emotions. And I think as I've become older, I've become a blubbering mess sometimes and regular listeners to the programme will know that uh, as well. But Marion Finucane always managed to hold on to that professionalism when she does, when she when, when she did. I find it hard to say, speaking in the past tense about her, but when she was doing those very emotional interviews, she really managed to hold on to the professionalism and, and I'm sure she was very close to tears on many occasions and certainly in the new Lo Fuelon interview you can hear how Marion really was fighting back the tears so it was a tough tough uh, interview it was a heartbreaking uh, interview but it was one that I think held the nation and it's still available I know it's up on the on the Marion Finucane page on, on the internet it's, it is worth a listen if you are one of the few people who haven't heard it before or if like me you have heard it it's it's worth another listen so we remember the late great Marion Finucane and we've invited actually Bibi Bascom is going to join us uh, Bibi would have been in RT at the time of uh, Marion Finucane so we're going to speak with Bibi Bascom just about the importance of Marion Finucane as well and her importance as a female broadcaster and what she did for female issues she was probably one of the first ever feminists uh, before we even spoke about feminism she was of, the, of that uh, generation and we welcome your thoughts and comments about Marion Finucane and your memories of her uh, as well and um, Michael O'Sullivan from Castletown Mayor is in straightaway early this morning with his comments saying Patricia this morning the Irish airwaves and far beyond are still shocked with yesterday's news of the sudden passing of Marion Finucane no words can express the shock of the loss of this brilliant lady and stalwart for women's rights and issues she'll be sadly missed as she was so much a part of our airwaves for so long she was a broadcaster of huge capability she was a household name she was multi-skilled, which was which, which she was well able for. In 2019, her Saturday show was one of the most listened to radio programmes in the country with a listenership figure of 
363,000 people. I had the pleasure of chatting with her on Liveland. I find her very pleasant and professional. Today our thoughts and prayers are with her family and close friends. May she rest in peace. Thank you, Jonas and Michael O'Sullivan. Thank you for that in in Castletown Bear. And absolutely our thoughts and prayers are with her husband, John. Who, by the way, they only married. She She kept an awful lot of her private life very private, didn't share it on the airwaves and uh, they only got married in, in 2015 and she, so we think of her husband John Clark uh, today and her beloved, her much beloved son uh, Jack and of course she now has been reunited with her beautiful daughter Sinead who died in 1990 she was only eight or nine, that her, her little girl who died of leukaemia. And I remember her first programme, she would have been presenting Live Line after Sinead died. And obviously it had been announced that Marion Finucane had lost her young daughter uh, from leukaemia. And uh, I remember her coming back on air a week after the funeral. And I remember thinking, oh my God, how hard is this going to be for Marion Finucane? And she came on air and she thanked everybody for sympathising with her on the death of her wonderful daughter. And she just and said, I'm not able to talk about it now. I may never be able to talk about it. And she never was. It was one of those things. She never just never went there, never spoke about it. I mean, it did have a huge impact, obviously, on herself and her husband, John, and her son's Jack's life. And I think it was probably one of the reasons that she got so involved in fundraising and she set up a charity for a hospice in South Africa and she worked with orphans in South Africa. It was on a visit. She went there 12 years after Sinead died in in 2002 and I don't exactly know how she found out about the conditions with the hospice movement in South Africa but she realised something needed to be done and she did an awful lot of work, huge amount of work for orphans and particularly for the hospice service in South Africa so and no doubt that charity will continue to go because she has set it up uh, so well. So may she rest in peace the late great uh, Marion Finucane. Now also coming up on the programme today we are hearing about a funding shortfall for our community air ambulance uh, based in Rathcool outside of Mill Street. It looks like if something doesn't happen and doesn't happen soon that it could be grounded within two weeks and we know since it went live about six months ago we know how busy the air ambulance service has been it would be such a shame after so much work and effort went into getting this ambulance up and running it would be such a shame if they are forced to ground it and ground it because of lack of uh, funds we'll hear government plans to introduce an opt-out system for organ donations and we're going to find out what exactly that will mean uh, for 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 people ourselves I mean a lot of us I certainly carry a donor card but not everyone carries a donor card so what is it going to mean does it get rid of donor cards everyone is in unless you sign yourself out out of it and then what happens if you are in that situation where you were a family member where the organs can be passed on what exactly is going to happen but the most important one what is it going to mean for the people who today are on an organ transplant uh, list and at about 20 past 11 today we have a piece I'm really looking forward to we have a professional declutterer joining us on the programme. We were talking yesterday about the taking down of the Christmas decorations and some of us have been quite traditional and leaving the Christmas decorations up until the 6th of January. But when the decorations come down, it is really a good time to give the house a good old spring clean. And we heard from the people who've already taken down the decorations that that's exactly what they did. They gave the house a good clean and the house is now spick and span. And there's something wonderful about walking into a room that you've done a really good deep clean on. But do 
decluttering goes a step further. It's like when you open up your wardrobe, I mean, how much clothes in your wardrobe do you actually wear? What's at the back of the wardrobe? Do you even know what's at the back of the wardrobe? Does it still actually fit you? And you know those drawers we all have in the house where you open up a drawer, the drawer where it's got it's just full of God knows what and when you need to look for something it's always in that oh it's got to be in the middle drawer and you're firing stuff out is it a good idea to clean out that drawer what about the cupboards in our kitchen do we have too do we have too much wear inside in the cupboards how many cup sources and plates can we use have we too many saucepans have we too many knives forks and spoons so it's all about decluttering and getting the clutter out of our lives and what it can do for you when you do remove the clutter so we're going to get advice and tips from a professional declutter as to how you actually do it how do you actually go about it how do you start and where do you start and it is Friday so that means we'll go to the movies with uh, Mark Malone uh, after half past 12 today. Some of your thoughts on Marion Fanouk and Pat Infomoy. She was one of those interviewers that went straight down the middle. No one knew what side she was on. We don't get a lot of that nowadays. Yeah, that was one of the points that uh, Joe Duffy made that in all of the time He's known Marion Finucane. He said, I never knew her party politics, which is the sign of a, a true and utter professional. Uh, someone says, Patricia, do you remember her interview with Joe Jacob about the iodine tablets? Hilarious. He wouldn't give her a straight answer. Oh, that was, yeah, it was very funny. It was cringe. He was the minister at the time. Uh, when they were giving out the iodine tablets. I think it was just before we had the iodine tablets and he was talking about, and it was she was setting up a scenario what if something happened at Sellafield and do you remember she kept looking at the clock he'd been in since like 10 o'clock in the morning and she was saying okay it's uh, you know it's 10.13 now and something's happened at Sellafield at 10 o'clock what are we doing now and then at 10.31 she was going we still haven't had an answer from you Minister Jacob <laughs> it, yeah it was and then we got the iodine tablets actually it's interesting when we're talking about decluttering uh, later on I was decluttering fluttering a cupboard over Christmas. I found my iodine tablets. Do many other people still have those iodine tablets? Now they are well, well out of date but I still have them in the yellow box that they came in and the plastic over them. I know many years ago we looked into it and we were told even though they were out of date you could still use them if the occasion came but just we'll just throw that out there out of interest. Do many people still have their iodine tablets that were issued by the government and if so would you know where to find them if God forbid you needed them in a hurry. And Margaret says Happy New Year Patricia many happy returns. So sad to hear of the death of Marion uh, last evening. Marion's parents came from Ballydesmond and her aunt was Nora Hurley, the credit union pioneer, which I didn't know. Thank you, Margaret, for that. That was obviously when Marion said to me when I met her that her parents came, that the, the court connection, that's obviously what she was talking about, her parents being from Bally Desmond. But I didn't know that Nora Hurley, the great credit union, and, and the credit union in Bally Desmond is named after Nora Hurley. Never realised that was Marion Finucane's answer. Thank you for sharing that uh, gem of information with us. 1850 John Paul takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas, and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Eggfoil and mock, quid then and here is Farlin. Shaw 8 C103 Air Kirkig. 
is Museum Alien in the Carrache and Crawford Art Gallery Gurkig. Nuri Hulan Tuchit Nadorsha, Fangu Tishkin Tiart, Erin Rolls Suntasuk, Tagas Nahark Alien is a pale, Agus Sukhal Turko, I'm sure. Tagnos Kun Rohiad Mila Kurtur Night the Bliana Higging Gallery, a hostage to Agreel or Nakarach, in Akalish and Opera House. Sayer Kadishach, the Trish Fibli, Taspontish, Agus Baluhan Buon, Donis Mo, no Rovila Sayer. Nukta, quid denaniha, is Fari Gurkig, C103. Now, according to a front page story on this week's Corkman newspaper by Bill Brown, the Rathcool based Irish community rapid response air ambulance is in danger of being grounded within a fortnight and this is due to lack of funding. Joining me, John Murray, who is a pilot with the Air Ambulance. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Um, John, first, how busy has the Air Ambulance been? You went live in, in July, so about six months ago. How busy have you been? We've been extremely busy. We went, we went live on the 30th of July, so uh, the very end of July. And since then, we've done approaching 250 missions for the National Ambulance Service. So we've been busier than we uh, initially anticipated, I must say. And just outline to people how the Air Ambulance is actually funded. Uh, the Air Ambulance itself uh, is funded absolutely through charity. So that, that would be the, the aircraft, pilots, insurance, fuel, uh, and the whole operation is run in collaboration with the National Ambulance Service who provide the medical staff on board in the form of a, a, uh, an advanced paramedic and an EMT. Uh, and they also provide all of the medical consumables. So it, 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 it's very much a collaborative effort. But the funding, the major part of the funding, uh, comes uh, from from uh, charitable donations. And even though you're providing a service, a life-saving service uh, to the state, do you get any money from central funds for the running of the ambulance? Uh, no, uh, we don't. Uh, we would anticipate that uh, moving forward we're, we're, we're copying a very successful model that, that has been in existence in the UK for many years where the uh, all of the ambulance services in, in England and Wales are totally charitably funded. Now there are 19 charities running 34 aircraft in England and Wales um, so there's, there's approximately say one, one helicopter for every 1.7 million people and that's, that's the level that we are pitching ourselves at as well. They're, in the UK, they're all very amply funded. We would anticipate that uh, that there is enough goodwill in the community to support us in a similar manner. We are at a position at the moment where we have a shortfall of funding, uh, and we are appealing to the general public to uh, to help us moving forward with this uh, with this particular kind of uh, shortfall at the moment you know. Yeah because I imagine it's you know I mean everybody knows how vital this uh, service is John and it is one of the ones as you say there is a model there that works and when it yeah. gets up and running I mean I imagine in five years time we won't be having anything like the same conversation because I would assume that if you had a family member who got helped out because of an air ambulance you'll see you'll mm-hmm. find that families will go on then to fundraise for you. Exactly and that's how it works as they in the UK that uh they're extremely well supported in, in the UK, and, and we firmly believe that we can emulate that model here. Uh, that there, there is there is enough goodwill in the community to, uh, you know, to to, to 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 run the service here for us. Uh, so we're just we're just we're just hoping that the general public will get on board now for this uh, uh, a short term funding shortfall is, is the way we would see it, um, and then moving forward, obviously, we will, we will need continued support as well. Okay, and have you looked to the government? Is there any chance that they could get a bit of a bailout from them? Uh, the conversation has been had, uh, and we're we're waiting for 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 them to come back to us, if you like. Um, 
but as I said, we 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 took on this uh, this role, uh, and, and and the agreement with the government at the time was that we would fund the aviation side of things as a charity. Uh, we've for for various reasons we we have we find ourselves unable to do so just at the moment, but we would see it very much as a temporary short term, uh, yeah, short term, yeah, and it's. If my memory serves right, it's about a million a year, isn't it? Was what we were estimating it was going to cost to run it. Uh, yeah, say about one point five million per base. One point five, okay. Yeah. All right, it's it's a lot of money, but if you say it quickly, but if it has, yeah. but if a lot of fundraising events go on. Yes, I mean, it, 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 again, it's not when you look at it from from uh, you know the, the population of the south of the country that where where we operate from. If we were to get one euro per person in the south of the country, uh, we we would uh, we'd have it covered, you know. Yeah, yeah, and there has so, been a lot of because I know we've been calling out events here that are taking place. Yeah. And there's a lot of goodwill uh, out there for the ambulance. It would be such a shame, even if it had to be temporarily grounded. And I take it that's the last thing that you guys want to do. It is indeed. No, it is. It, it, it's very much the last thing we we we, we want to happen. Uh, and we're just we're, we see this as I said as a a, a temporary shortfall in funding, uh, and we're appealing to the public. And there's several ways public can the public can. Uh, can contribute uh, if, you, if you go onto our website, which is www.icorr.ie. There are uh, several ways of, of uh, providing funding to us there. We've also set up a special GoFundMe page uh, to keep the ICORR air ambulance flying, uh, where people can uh, can contribute as well. It, it is it is as we see it a, a very essential service. You know? Yeah, and uh, you know, without going into personal details, can you outline the type of missions that you're called to, John? We get to all sorts. Uh, you know, anything where there's a, a medical need, it, it differs from search and rescue. And that's the noise in the background of the search and rescue helicopter flying over here in Shannon. It differs from search and rescue in that we uh, provide a medical service. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a kind of a unique uh, combination of the speed of, of, of the helicopter with, with a very capable uh, and competent uh, clinical ability of the onboard medical crew provided by National Ambulance Service. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously unbiased, but it's, we would see it as being a very, very worthwhile service. So. Absolutely. And you as the pilot then, you you get a call and then you're um, you're trying to locate a place to land the helicopter, is it? Is that your... That's, yeah. So uh, the, the day starts off with a, a general briefing among the crew. So the crew is great. And the day starts with a general briefing among the crew um, to cover weather, uh, notice to airmen, any any, any kind of uh, difficulties that, that, that we would envisage may, may arise during the day. Uh, so the crew, the medical crew, while the National Ambulance Service personnel are also trained as um, under aviation legislation as what we call technical crew members. So the, the paramedics uh, are the actual navigators on board as well. You know, so it, it is a unique uh, concept, if you like, uh, but works very, very well. It's, we're not reinventing any wheels, yeah. copying, you know, very well established, very well proven systems. And yeah. the idea is then that we, we, we cruise at 160 miles an hour. We can get these guys to the scene very, very quickly. Um, and they can then start their uh, medical interventions, you know. And it saves lives. <laughs> at the end of the day, that's, that's what we, it does. As we say... We, we might not save lives every day, but, you know, several times a week yeah. would be realistic, I think, you know. Uh, somebody would text, the air ambulance is wonderful. Cannot understand why the government don't step in and fund it. It surely will be, an, or will be an election issue for me, uh, says well, this they, texter. But your point would be, you made the promise at the start that it would we, be... We did, we yeah. did indeed. We, 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 as a charity, made the promise at the start. 
Um, we've always said as well that uh, the there's enough goodwill in the community, we believe, to fund it without uh, without ongoing government support. Um, you know, we would welcome some government intervention at the moment just to get us over this particular hurdle. Um, but as a charity and being fu- being uh, you know funded that way, if you like, allows us to uh, well, first of all, be far more efficient, but also to pick and choose the operational model and the equipment uh, that that we consider best. Uh, so, like the, the charity model works very, very well. You know. Okay. All right. And the uh, ICRR.ie, if people want to donate, and the GoFundMe page again is keep the is, is keep the ICRR air ambulance flag. Okay. We'll keep in contact with you, uh, John. Good luck with it. And thank you for thank taking you time much. out to talk to us. Good morning to thank you. That you is uh, John Murray, who is one of the pilots with the Irish Community Rapid Response uh, Air Ambulance uh, based in Rathcool outside of Mill Street. It would be such a shame if it was forced to ground uh, due to this. As, he sa- as John says, it's a short term funding issue but it would be a real real shame if they are forced to ground it 1850 John Paul taking your calls Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie so you've got a smartphone or tablet then get the must have app so you can take us everywhere Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. Sale now on. The incredible Euronics Drina Co-op January sale is now on. Unbeatable prices on washing machines, dryers, cooking appliances and refrigeration. Plus incredible deals on laptops, tablets and big screen TVs. Pick up our January sale catalogue in store for hundreds more sale offers inside. The incredible Euronics Drina Co-op January sale is now on. Did we mention the sale? It's the Cummins Sports Big Sale. Now on in store and online. Discounts on all your favorite brands. The Cummins Sports Sale. What are you waiting for? See CumminSports.ie or visit your nearest store today. The road to a better world begins here with the incredible range of self-charging hybrids at Grandin's Toyota Glanmire. Saving fuel and lowering emissions. That's the hybrid advantage. Our amazing offer includes trade-in boosters of up to €3,000. Start your electric journey at Grandin's Toyota Glanmire. We're always open at grandin's.ie. At Iberdrola, we believe small energy savings can have a big impact. Make your home feel just right by turning the thermostat down a notch. Setting it to between 18 and 21 degrees will maintain an optimum temperature inside, no matter what the weather outside. This energy saving tip is brought to you by Iberdrola. Energy you can feel good about. The Sound Store January sale is now on. That means massive savings on Bosch appliances, up to €150 cashback on washing machines and ovens, up to €75 cashback on fridge freezers. The Sound Store January sale now on at Blackpool and Sarsfield Road, Wilton or at soundstore.ie. 
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, according to the Health Minister, Simon Harris, organ donation in this country is set to change to an opt-out regime with legislation to be brought before the Oireachtas in the coming months. To talk about what this could mean to people, especially those on the transplant list, I'm joined by Philip Watt, who is chair of the Irish Donor Network. Good morning to you, Philip. Good morning. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, in your opinion, is this legislation long overdue? Yes. Um, in fact, it was promised as far back as uh, 2009. And each successive government has put it on the agenda. And it's just not being prioritised. But we're very glad to say that the present government has decided to bring it in in early 2020. And that's to be really welcomed. Now, the Minister says a soft opt-out uh, scheme will become law. What exactly does that mean? Well, at the minute, um, it, it just basically means that um, as all our research shows, um, most people in Ireland want to donate organs and the new law will just simply reflect that. So it'll be presumed that people will want to donate an organ in the um, uh, unlikely event of, you know, being killed early in a road accident, for example. Um, but of course, um, next of kin can still um, veto the decision if they want to. So then, so the next of kin will be asked. Yeah, exactly. No, in fact, the next of kin will can decide um, whether the um, transplant will go ahead or not. Which is the same for somebody who carries a donor card, isn't it? No, it's not. It's um, because the, the, it's it's really a different expectation at the minute. Um, you're expected to opt in. So, like for example, um, what generally happens at the minute is a lot of people don't have the conversation with their next of kin as to whether they want to donate or not. So it ends up often, you know, at a very difficult time. For example, if a son or daughter is killed in a car accident, for example, the family don't know what the intent of the person is. Whereas if this system um, puts around the other way, is the expectation is, uh, as we know from lots of surveys, that is, is that the vast majority of people do want to donate organs in the case of an untimely death. And um, therefore, they, we, we know from uh, research carried out in other countries, this mean, will mean that more organs will become available for transplants and it uh, will give many more people the gift of life. Currently, Philip, what percentage of the population carry a donor card? Um, we well, we know um, that only about thirty percent of people. Is uh, it as low as that? It is, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I know myself. Like you know, you can put your donor card in your wallet or your back pocket, and it ends up in the wash and so on. You know, yeah, yeah. We're, we're really into um, you know a, a different era now, and um, what we would like to see is an online system where yeah. if people want to opt out they can de- declare that on the online system and I think it's by, by far the best kind of way to do it really, you know. And if, if only people could see the difference of, you know, a transplanted organ can make. Um, I work um, for Cystic Fibrosis Ireland and many of our patients um, need a double lung transplant um, towards the end of their lives and it can add on 10 and more years on to that. But it's the quality of life that yeah. it improves as well. It really makes a dramatic difference. So um, you know, people who 
can see uh, friends who have kidney transplants. Uh, it's, it's the very same. You know, it can be really life transformative. So the more organs that become available, um, the more gifts of life there are. And uh, we think this legislation will mean that there are more organs for transplants. Yeah, I mean, I've had the privilege over the years uh, while doing this programme to interview people who have been uh, recipients of organ donations and then a very dear friend of mine ended up in a very sudden situation needing to get a liver transplant and I will never forget uh, what everybody went through where we waited to see would she get a liver now luckily she did and She's just such a blessing and to see her and to see her so well now is just, it's terrific. Oh, it's it, is, it is terrific. And do other countries operate a similar system? Yeah, most countries do. And okay. In fact, um, the UK is fast tracking this system as we speak. Um, so uh, it, it's going through the uh, their legislative process even quicker than ours, you know. And um, most of the countries that, op- that have the best transplant rates um, operate a, 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 now you can't comp- necessarily compare one country with another because of different health systems but this by and large is a system which is operated throughout Europe so we're we're kind of out of step you know but there's you know the the safety in this this is why it's called soft opt-out is you know if next of kin really you know are unhappy about the thoughts of donation and transplantation they can still stop it you know and uh, you know nobody has been forced or anything else but the, the difference is the expectation is that most people will want to donate organs. And how many, roughly how many people are currently on a transplant list as we speak well, today? Well, there's about 500 on Is the there? transplant list, yeah, and a lot, unfortunately, um, uh, about 24, 25 people will die each mm. year um, waiting for an organ and, uh, you know, uh, so it's really is very much life and death, you know, and I mean, I, I had the privilege of, I was over in the States, um, about five or six months ago, and I stopped off to meet Orla Tinsley, ah. um, who is, um, yeah. Wonderful Orla Tinsley. Uh, I mean, it was, it, you know, to see the difference in her, and she, as you know, um, she was transplanted in New York, and um, we only had coffee for about an hour, but it was just wonderful to see the immense difference that that had made to her life, you know, and uh, you Wasn't know, she the, incredibly brave to make that television uh, programme uh, that time? Well, I, you know, she, she, and you know, she was called seven or eight times before she got the transplant, because as you know, um, you have to, the organs have to match up to the patient, yeah, yeah. you know, so, you know, to, to have that expectation and to go and then to have your expectations dashed, you know, I, I mean, it, it really shows how resilient um, that she is, yeah. and uh, you know, I know her family have been over to her very regularly and everything else, and she's completing their studies in New York. You know, so life is just continuing now as normal. Well, as that, that that's because um, you know, uh, family um, donated an organ in the states, and um, you know, as I say, you just cannot measure the difference that um, the transplantation makes. You know, it's yeah. you know. It's, Having said that, of course, it's not a panacea. You know, it doesn't solve all health issues. There's still, you're on very high medication after you have a, a transplant and that creates its own problems. But it has definitely been shown to extend people's lives and even more improve the quality of lives. Okay. So, 
Um, I would hope people would support this we, we We will keep a careful eye out for this piece of legislation. Yeah. Welcome it when it arrives. And Philip, in the meantime, thank you for taking time Thanks out to talk. So and, and a happy new year happy to you. Happy new year to you too. Bye-bye. Thanks Bye. a million. That's uh, Philip Watt, who is chair of the Irish Donor Network. Carry your donor card in the meantime, folks. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The Loose Women Group, who meet in Mallow, I think on a weekly basis, they've been on to us. They spoke to us in studio before Christmas. They just set up this uh, group and uh, they, uh, they've been on to us to say that they'll be meeting again after they've had a bit of a Christmas break. And their first meeting of the new year will be next Thursday, the 9th of January. And the Loose Women Group meet between 9am and 12 midday at the Mercy Centre in Mallow. Teas, coffees and chats. And it's open to all the women in the area who would like to uh, join them. So best of luck in 2020 to the Loose Women Group in Mallow. And talking of women, Women's Little Christmas, that's around the corner. That will be happening next week. But there's two events that are taking place tomorrow, kind of pre- Little Women's Christmas events uh, that are on tomorrow that I want to give a quick mention to because they're both in very worthwhile causes. There is a sparkling afternoon tea at the Celtic Ross Hotel in aid of the Cork Simon community. It's been organised tomorrow by sisters Kate and Helen Witcherly along with their cousin Aoife Cullinan. It's a delicious and mouth-watering afternoon tea. It'll be served with a glass of Prosecco and as much tea and coffee as you can drink. Then it'll be followed by beautiful entertainment with pianist and vocalist John Cullinan from Clonakilty. There will be a raffle and all proceeds from the day tomorrow will go to the Cork Simon Community Services to help them with their work with the homeless in Cork. Needed now more than ever, unfortunately. Venue, Celtic Ross Hotel tomorrow between 12pm and 3pm if a group of ladies would like to go along and celebrate Women's Little Christmas with sparkling afternoon tea. €30 per person and the tickets are available at Eventbrite or I imagine if you contact the Celtic Ross Hotel the fact that it's on tomorrow you'll be able to get your tickets there as well. And another event that I want to wish the very best of luck to is also happening tomorrow. This time it's the Kingsley Hotel for the luncheon. Starts at 12.30 and all monies raised will go to the wonderful Brew Columbanus. Guests will be wel- welcomed with a Kinsale Mead reception. They'll then enjoy a scrumptious lunch and after lunch entertainment is by the wonderful Velvin Lamont. If you have never heard Velvin Lamont sing, he's originally from Los Angeles. He's been living now in Cork for quite some years. He's, I think the name Velvin suits him because he's got a kind of like a velvety voice. He is just incredible at live. So that would be a Lovely, lovely way to wrap up your afternoon at the Kingsley tomorrow. And Brew Colin Bannis, it's one of those charities. I can never stop singing the praises of Brew Colin Bannis. They provide home from home accommodation for relatives of seriously ill patients in any of the Cork hospitals or if anybody has a loved one out in Marymount Hospice, especially the relatives of sick children. And Brew Colin Bannis, it's an independent charity. It's completely reliant on donations and fundraising initiatives to cover the running costs. It's a 26-bedroomed facility and it's based in Cardinal Way in Wilton, kind of almost opposite the CUH hospital. And Brew Columbanus, it's one of those facilities that you only find out about if, God forbid, you have a very sick relative in a Cork hospital and then somebody and you don't live in the city and you need to travel and to be at the hospital. And it's only then that somebody will say to you, what about Brew Columbanus? And literally, if you get into one of the bedrooms in Brew Columbanus, you can stay there for as long as you, your loved one is in hospital and you need to stay there. 
and they don't charge you anything. I mean, it's up to you, obviously, if you want to leave a donation, if you want to get involved in fundraising for them. But, but it's because it's one of those charities, you only become aware of it or either through your own family, somebody becoming ill, or you hear about it by somebody else, you know, a friend of yours using the facility. They are wonderful. It's an incredible service and long may it continue. So I'm always delighted when I get an opportunity to sing their praises and to mention any fundraising event for them. So that pre-Women's Little Christmas Ladies' Luncheon is on tomorrow in the Kingsley Hotel and the ticket prices are €50, but it promises to be a fantastic day of fun, food and entertainment. And the tickets are on sale directly from Brew Columbanus. You can give Anne-Maria a call at 021 4345754021435754 and good luck to uh, both of those events that are taking place tomorrow. Now, some of your calls coming in. Charlie in Kanturk was listening to our piece with John Murray, one of the pilots with the community air ambulance and says, what will happen if they don't get the money that Don, John is talking about? Will it simply stop? Well, it will initially, yeah. I mean, it is, they re, they literally are running out of money. They have about funds available for the next two weeks. That's why they're doing this emergency appeal now for people to either donate money to them or maybe if you would consider organising some kind of a fundraiser for you. But I have to say, looking at some of the texts coming in, not everybody's happy about the fact that they went to the government looking for funding. Nothing is forthcoming yet. Somebody by text says, Patricia, the air ambulance finance, is it not typical of the way this government seems to be treating rural Ireland? They seem to be leaving everything up to charity. Best... uh, they seem to be leaving everything up to charity. Look at who's looking after the poor people in this country. It's the Society of St Vincent de Paul. It seems this government is only for the wealthy. Not happy to hear that the government w- didn't come up with the money that was needed. And some of your WhatsApps in on this. Michael says, Patricia, good to hear John Murphy, the chief pilot of the Irish Community Air Ambulance on your programme this morning. He is an out and out gentleman. Sadly, what is lacking in the current setup is their knowledge of fundraising uh, on such a massive scale. And that has changed. I can see massive problems for the air ambulance down the line if we will still have one. Wales has a population of 3 million people and yet they managed to fund four air ambulances and they do it out of bucket collections. If those at the top don't get their finger out, they will wind up like the FAI. Go over to Wales, go to England, go anywhere in the United Kingdom and you will always bump into a stall collecting for their air ambulance. Everywhere you go in London, they're in front of you. And my God, do people contribute to them. London is the busiest air ambulance in the United Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, the the system works, this idea of it being community funded, but it's to get out there and it's to get the funding in and to get the necessary money in. You know, I do think once it's established, and I did make this point to John, in five years time, if we can keep the ambulance going in Rathcool, I think we won't be having conversations like this because I think people will start to hear more and more about the ambulance. They'll know of a family member, they'll know of a friend or a work colleague who life was saved or who needed to use the air ambulance and that then will spur people on to do more fundraising it'll spur people on you know to give more to them but I think it's because it's such a new concept we need to get that through to people people need to understand how this model works and fundraising we need to they need to get absolutely on top of fundraising in order to make sure that the money is there and that they're not in this situation where they only have two weeks of funds left to keep this 
ambulance up in the air. And Dan in Mallow says, Patricia, the helicopter service is absolutely brilliant, but is this fun funding model really sustainable? Come on, the fact that they'll have to raise 1.5 million euro every year. I'm shocked that the operators think that the working pop- public are going to fork out for this as well. I pay 52% in income tax. Give me a break, says Dan. Where would it end? There are hands out left, right and centre. I'm sick of it, says Dan in uh, Mallow. And there, yeah, and there will be others like that as well, feel that they, there's only so much that they have to give. And there are so many good, worthy charities out there. But, you know, Dan is right. You, you can't get blood from a stone. I suppose people only have so much money that they can pass around. OK, what else is coming into us? Um, Tim on Marion Finucane. Marion Finucane was seen on television first as a young student of architecture at UCC. It was back in the 60s. She was campaigning to save Georgian buildings from demolition. She was joined by another architectural student, a gentleman by the name of Rory Quinn. And she was also joined by another student, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Myers. So she in great company, says Tim. Yeah, and that's that famous piece that they often show of Marion Finucane. I think was she handcuffed or chained to the building and she was being interviewed by obviously somebody in RT at the time. She wasn't working in RT, she was only a student and they were fighting to save the Georgian buildings by chaining themselves uh, to it. And it's a lovely piece that often was shown and she used to be always embarrassed by it when it was shown. Because you know when you look back at, what, what was she, 19 or 20 at, at the time and we all cringe when we see ourselves at that age. But yeah, it's a lovely, lovely memory. And thank you, Tim. There was another text in that I have to say, sadly, I have to agree with a lot of what you're saying uh, in it, but it's not for on air. OK, now, Lister says, Patricia, will the second half of the fuel allowance be paid out next week? Thanking you. Actually, yeah, you obviously weren't with this yesterday. I mentioned this yesterday, but I'll give it a mention for people that weren't with this yesterday, for anybody who's wor- waiting on the fuel allowance. And they introduced this a couple of years ago, whereby, oh, it was actually since 20, yeah, a couple of years ago, 2017, they introduced it, whereby instead of of getting your fuel allowance paid weekly, people instead could opt to have two lump sums. The idea was then that you could go out and maybe buy some oil maybe for, you know, to have a tank of oil or if you wanted to maybe stock up and bulk buy your coal or your blocks or your baguettes or whatever. So they gave people the option or some people still go with the weekly option. And for those that go with the weekly option, there was an announcement in Budget 2020. There was an extra €20 a week. So from next Monday, the 6th of January, the weekly fuel allowance goes up to €24.50. And for those people who did opt to receive their payment in two lump sums, the second instalment will be paid, they say, the second week of January. So we would assume that that's across next week. Whenever your payment is due next week, you will receive it. And the lump sum was at €315. That's when it was paid in September. The second lump sum will be at the higher rate with the extra €2 a week. So you will be paid €343 to be paid in the second week of January. So whenever you get your payment next week, you can expect that's if you're getting the the lump sum payment. So €343. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. If you want to text us, you can WhatsApp us or text us as well to 0862103103. And a reminder to you, if you did get a brand new smartphone or a tablet for Christmas, then please make sure that you get the must-have 
app so that you can take us everywhere with you. You simply download the C103 app and you can listen to all of your favourite shows while you're on the go. So if you've got a smart speaker as well, by the way, do ask it to play C103. So on your phone, your tablet or your smart speaker, we are Cork's C103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat Leaving Cert programmes. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie The Hibernian Hotel in Mallow, they're looking for a part-time receptionist. You need to have some experience in hotel reception and booking systems and it does include weekend work. John O'Leary Autos, that's in Balancolic, they're looking for a fully qualified mechanic, also a third or fourth year apprentice. Construction workers are wanted, that's for new contracts in Cork City. And a childminder is wanted in Mornabi to take care of two children. One is a five-year-old and the other is 18 months old and it's three days per week during the school terms. So you'll find all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now the start of a new year is often a time to take a look at our lives and how we can change it to make it more productive and happier. And one way of doing that is to declutter our homes. So joining me with words of advice is Clonic Hilty Professional Declutterer and that's Anne-Marie Kingston. Good morning to you, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, and happy New Year to well, you. Well, many happy returns and you're welcome to the programme. Now, taking down the Christmas decorations, is that always a good time to have a good declutter and a good spring clean of the house? It is. And... Um I've already taken mine. There were some people saying, Emery, you're too early taking down the Christmas tree. You should really wait till the 6th of January. But, you know, it's a great time, Patricia, just to kind of take things down and start again, like, room by room and kind of just having a look around, seeing what's broken, what hasn't used, what's thrown into the corner, covered up with clothes or whatever it may be, and just go for it. Yeah, and I, I saw your piece online, actually, about the Christmas decorations. And I, and I have to say, I took on board the advice. Uh, any... Any decoration that you didn't use this year that you put back into the box and I sure might yeah. use that next year, you're not going to use it next year. You won't. And I would, and I do that like for all decorations. You know, I suppose no marketing and the whole advertising side of things. Like when I was growing up, it was only ever the Christmas decorations. You now have the Easter, you have Halloween, you yeah. have other kind of um, occasions that are coming in. But it's a great time. You know the stuff like that isn't coming out of the bag or the box every time um, for every year and you just go through it and say right first of all it might be broken that's one way good way to clear out stuff the second thing then is to um, just go through like the bubbles that are cracked the lights that might have been working they might be dodgy or they're just you don't love them anymore and you have to love them yeah, that's the whole key to it. If, it is. if you don't love it, get rid of it yeah, now really it, if the whole house needs to be decluttered where do you start? I would always tell people, Patricia, like when, when my private clients, it's usually the place where we spend the most time. So that's usually the kitchen or the bedroom areas because clutter affects our productivity. It affects our mood, our sleep, um, especially in, and especially like in the bedroom, this is where you're meant to be relaxing. You're meant to, it's your downtime area and you need to literally be able to switch off. 
And uh, if you're continue, if you're around with clutter all the time, it is, it is, um, it's just, it's affecting everything, Patricia. Are you into the very minimal look? I would be fairly minimal, no, to be quite honest. No, I suppose we need so little in our lives, Patricia. This is the thing, you see, we are so caught up with the whole marketing side of things and advertising that we need, to, we kind of feel that we have to have all these kind of gimmicks and all these little extra utensils or whatever the case may be. But it's really, do you know what? We need so little. We're creatures of habit. We use the same stuff all the time. And it's really about just having less. We buy an emotion. That's what we do, Patricia. We buy because maybe the kids are acting up or things aren't going well at work or maybe things aren't kind of going right at home. And we hate online shopping. And you see, like the whole world, where clutter comes from, Patricia, is like when we go back to our ancestors, our family and grandmothers and great-grandmothers, they would have had their clothing, they would have turned their collars inside out, they would have worn them to pieces. Yeah. Nowadays, we have surplus money, we have the likes of online shopping, you have pennies, or whatever um, shops are out there, and we do buy, we buy on emotion. Do you believe there's a place for everything in the house in that, do you have a drawer that's Absolutely. got all, have you a drawer with all the rubbish in it? Do you know, you know the drawer that's what, when you're looking for something, you go to the drawer? I have one press, like I would have one kind of press, it's kind of like my odd press, which is very little actually inside it. It's kind of holy water and <laughs> and a few bits like that. But otherwise, I have like, do you know every, like the amount of people, Patricia, that would say to me, Amory, I need more storage, I need yeah. more shelving, I need an extension. But it's to maximise your existing storage to its maximum. That is the key. Okay, so, so start of the kitchen then. You you, mm-hmm. you come into a kitchen that needs to be decluttered. Yeah. Do you take everything out? I'm always afraid that people get overwhelmed, you know, if you do too much all at the one time. Yeah, I don't. I suppose that's, and I suppose that's the whole thing with, like I would have been compared to Marie Kondo um, last year, last year in West Cork and Munster. But I have my own techniques that I've been doing for the last kind of 30 plus years. So I do it press by press. Okay. I stay in the same area in the same room, like Marie Kondo would bring all your clothes from the four corners of your house into one room. I would be overwhelmed. See that, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think even I looking, yeah, I think even looking at that turns me off it. Totally, absolutely, and I don't because I would be overwhelmed, and there's no point to me because I'm there to support, I'm there to motivate and guide my client, um, to help them, help them let go of their clutter. So I do a press by press. So what I do is I, for instance, if it's food press, we take everything out, I clean it out the press like I do my own cupboards everything is washed out and cleaned then we go through and I suppose the biggest thing Patricia when it comes to kitchens is gone off food the amount of gone off food in, is the biggest problem in kitchen areas um, because clients would say to me Marie I can't clear my worktops my worktops are always charcoal blocked why is that and I was like okay first thing is when did you do your cupboards last and they're like oh maybe a few months ago but when you go back then you're finding stuff from like 2002 and 2014 and maybe at the very at the very back of the very back and they're yeah. like oh I forgot I thought I'd them throw it out and this is and you see what happens as well we again and it's kind of a Mac online shopping because I would have had a lot of clients maybe there might have been sickness in the house and maybe there might have been family members maybe minding kids or whatever in the house you hit the button for online shopping and you take your you take your shopping list maybe from the previous week. So the same thing is coming back out to you in the shop. So you could have like 20 bags of pasta, but do you need 20 bags of pasta? Yeah. So yeah. it's really about, and that's like when you declutter, that's when I put in the organisational systems into into the whatever area the house that I'm brought in to do, Patricia. But my, I, mine is very simple, the little baskets. It's very cost effective. And 
I don't draw big, intense, um, um, I suppose, solutions, storage solutions on my clients. It's working with what you have. So clear out the cupboards, dump anything, and I guarantee you to anybody listening, if you haven't cleared out your cupboards in, in, yeah. in a year or two, you yeah. will find items at the back that will be well out of date that will probably shock you at how out of date they are. So just you get, ri- you get rid of all them. And then as you say, it frees up space and it can let you see. You also then will save when you go shopping because mm-hmm. you, you'll realise, oh, I didn't know I had those at the back of the cupboards. You know, yep. the packet of pasta or whatever. You won't have to, you know, mm-hmm. if you've got five bags of pasta, you won't need pasta for the next number of weeks. Do you know what I mean? That you, so yep. you can save money as well. And that's what it is. It's when you declutter, you're saving time, money and energy because first of all you've time because you can see everything because everything has its place then that's when you're doing your stock take like even if it's in your clothes you're kind of saying oh do you know what I have two pairs of jeans I don't need maybe blue jeans but I maybe need a grey pair or a black pair once, once you can see Patricia everything in your cupboard this is where then you start saving money and all my clients will come back they're like I'm my shopping bill has reduced dramatically yeah, yeah. because we again we buy I have had clients recently um, couldn't pass bargain baskets like <laughs> like say deodorants and things like that but you buy two get one free so we like who what woman doesn't like a bargain but again it's and I'm asking my quest, like my clients the questions have you a requirement for it do you need it do you love it and again I suppose like do you need like say three bottles of deodorant every week yeah, probably not yeah, yeah unless you have a lot of storage space and you can yeah. you have space for it because that won't go off I, yeah. can, I can't pass the bog off so I have to say the buy one get one free I'm, I'm, I'm a yeah. bit of a I'm bad for that but if it's a, if it's a perishable item you're just wasting your time and money and then it's going to cost it. you to, to dump it okay move to the bedroom because I think mm-hmm. the bedroom is an area and I know when I was talking to any of my female friends saying you were coming on the wardrobe oh, our wardrobes yeah. now Amory, all of us and I'll put my hand up have items at the back of the wardrobe the items that you bought either for a wedding are mm-hmm. the child's communion or the child's confirmation and it yep. cost a fortune. fortune. But because it was so expensive, you can't throw it out. Yeah. Advise, That's please. It. Advise. When I say to clients, and I suppose, like, again, it's very hard, like, once you have those expensive items. And look, we all do have those mistake buys over the years or there might be ones with tags. But going back, say, like, to the expensive items for the weddings or for the Holy Communions or whatever, like, there is shops out there, like, there's one lady, um, Nora Huggart in Rascarby, she buys designer items and she will give you, she will give you a commission, like, she'll take a small commission, but she'll sell it on your behalf. There's other places around Cork also that do it. You can also go online selling. Like, I'd always advise my clients, if they can sell stuff, get money back. It's so important. No, selling isn't everyone's thing. But they might have a daughter or maybe um, a family member or friend that would put the pictures up online. Because I've sold a, lo- I've sold a lot of stuff on, um, say, Facebook or done deals, say, kids' clothing, um, toys, household stuff that I didn't need. And it's great to get money back on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and that, you, you feel better about it then than actually just the dumping guilt, it. You take yeah. away the guilt. Even yeah. if you only got, say, 50 or 20 euro Patricia for it, it's grand. It's fine. But okay, but how do, how do you tackle a wardrobe? What do I do with a wardrobe? Same, com- like I do with all my presses, literally everything. We take everything out okay. and we go through everything. So everything with the wardrobe should be 100. So you're, once I finish with my clients, Patricia, their wardrobe should be 100% wearable. So every item in that wardrobe, down to the undies, down to the bras, down to the socks and tights and everything, they should fit, flatter and make you feel good. Fit, flatter, flatter and, make, and you f- make you feel good. Okay. Because that's not always the case. No, and I, I always say, 
And a lot of clients say, oh, I'm worried this will be, like, they might keep that pair of white jeans. This will, like, I might have just lose a few pounds just to get it. Yeah, yeah. But it has to be real time. It has to be, can you fit into it now? Okay. And it has to be age appropriate. So, like, you might have had hot pants, like, from maybe <laughs> years ago. And maybe that time has passed. Maybe you still have the great pair of legs. But maybe is it age appropriate? Uh, maybe it's time to like, get rid know. of the hot pants, ladies. Yeah. yeah. And then, and of again, course... like, as we get older, like, you know, I know myself, Patricia, personally, like, on my personal level, you know, I like, you know, especially after having the kids, I like, say, dresses now below my knees. I like my... Um, and I'm a small, petite, like, um, I like my shoulders being covered. So, like, I would avoid items. And, like, I know the items that don't suit me in the shops. I mm. avoid them. Um, so, like... You have to be comfortable in everything you wear. I would have had one client say that I would have had a beautiful coat. Um, and she goes, I'm really watching this beautiful coat. Just bought a tags on. And I was like, would you, for instance, would you go down to Bend and Mastinet? Not a hope. She goes, that's your answer. I had to say no more. She was like, that's gone. Gone. You have to feel good, Patricia, going out the front door of your house or back door and say, do you know what? I feel so good in this and confident. And then you don't dump anything, as you say, the more expensive stuff, if you can sell it on, but then yeah. charity shop, donate your unwanted items. So, like, how you redistribute, and I suppose the big thing with decluttering, Patricia, is a lot of people take the whole um, spring clean and tidying, kind of, they kind of do, they do get it mixed up with decluttering. Decluttering is, if you were to check it up, um, the actual, um, the phrase for it, but, like, it is your ability to let go. And by letting go, it has to leave the house. So you're kind of kidding yourself if you're moving from A to B to C inside the house and up to the attic and maybe into the spare room and around again in the circle. But it really has, it has to leave your house. Um, and you redistribute to family, to friends, to charities of your choice or selling, if selling is your thing. Okay, some calls in. Lisa says, I had a space in my living room that I cleared recently. There was a cupboard there for years that was really only gathering dust and it was actually getting in the way. Once we cleared it out of the room, it gave a whole new lease of life to that room. And all we did was move a cupboard. So I agree with Anne-Marie. And then Elaine in Charleville. Now, I think this is a problem others will identify with. I have a spare room in my house. It has a very old wardrobe in it, but the wardrobe is full of clothes belonging to my son and also other equipment belonging to him like exercise equipment. I don't want to dump it because they do belong to my son who no longer lives at home. I know he could move it to his own house but he's slow to do that. Advice please. I could use this spare room for something else. Of course he could. And that's it. And it's all about, you know what, especially when family have moved out, you're empty nesters and you have to claim your house back. You've had your kids, your kids have moved out. Um, Some kids might be or mature family might have gone um, travelling. And you might be holding on to their stuff. But if they have their stuff, I would have had a client a few weeks ago and um, she was an ongoing client. And I just said, um, Mary, what about, um, uh, obviously, like I'd been there maybe a year previous and I said, does your daughter want these? And and that's the whole thing. Like if we have a news in the last 12 to 18 months, it's like the decorations or anything like that or the, the pots in the press. But if we have a news in 12 to 18 months, the chances of us using it are very slim. And it's the same with the um, kids' stuff. I would literally, like what we did was we filled up the car and Mary went off and she delivered on that day. She <laughs> delivered the stuff to her daughter. You have to have the conversation though with the son or the, the daughter and say, yeah, yeah, and say, you've moved out of the house. You can't continue to use the house as a storage yeah. space because it's yeah. not fair. It's just, it's, it's, it's not fair because, you know, I find a lot of clients that, you know, they've had their kids, their grandkids come in they want to go back to like they've had pastimes they've like might have been into 
um, painting or crochet and they want to kind of make an art room, they want to utilise that space differently, maybe no longer a bedroom, but maybe into an art and crafts area. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's going. You have to see your house, Patricia, and I suppose I go in there, like I see the transformation before it's even happened, and in my head I have furniture moved and everything like that. And it's about utilising your existing house to its maximum and using every bit of space you have. What about hanging on to things, Anne-Marie, that have a sentimental value to you? Sentimental, I would always say, and it's like when you have kids or if a loved one has passed on, I always, and I do it myself, do a keepsake box. It's just an ordinary storage box and it's lovely just to put in, like I bits, like for our kids, say like um, baby grows, their first baby grow bear that actually have, um, there's a bear made out of their baby grows when they were in hospital, their artwork, um, different pieces like that. And say my, you know, say my bits from my wedding, different pieces like that, that I kept that were sentimental to me. They're in a keepsake box and they're there. But like with clutter, you'll never stop decluttering, Patricia. It's a, it's, I always say it's like peeling an onion. It's, you're removing layer every time. You, your background, uh, Anne-Marie, is, is interesting. You were in the banking sector. I was in the banking sector, yeah. How do you go from working in the banking sector to becoming a professional declutterer? Do you know what? I would was look decluttering for the last. I suppose like I'm 39. I've been decluttering for the last 30 years. I suppose <laughs> previous on a personal level for family and friends. Uh, family would say, "I'm able to do this cupboard, to do this wardrobe, man. and I do my own." Like I used to organise everything, like down to say um, fancy paper, everything as a child growing up. So I was in the banking sector at Bank of Ireland over West Cork uh, branches for over 11 years. And the whole banking scene was changing, Patricia. So like the machines were coming in. I would have been taught the old-fashioned way to... You no, know, we knew everyone. Yeah. We knew um, we knew their siblings. We knew everything about them. But the machines were coming in. They, and my heart just kind of got out of it, really, because, um, as I said, the machines were coming in. There was fierce pressure in the bank, like after the credit crunch and everything, like there were sales and targets and everything. And I was like, that's it. It's not for so you. So I would have had enough. Um, and then I was on, I was on my, um, I think, 14th transfer in 11 years. So I was like, OK, this is really final. And I was being transferred to the city. And I said, look, it wouldn't pay me to go. So after that, then I actually found out I was pregnant with our first child. And... This was the time that I wanted off with them. So with that, then I suppose Quiva, my second, we took it. Um, so Quiva at the time, she was only about maybe three or six months, I think, back in 2016. And I would have moved into my husband's farmhouse. And obviously, you have to put your own mark in it. So at the time, I converted an old bedroom into a walk-in hot press. So like I have, it's kind of, one side is a... My clothing or clothes are for both John and myself are on the left-hand side and it's walking, shelving on the left-hand side. And again, it's utilising this room to its maximum and that's what I, that's what I do. And utilising the space. And utilising so, and the space. So you, went, you, you, you set up then your White Sage Declutter is, yeah. is, is so, the name. Yeah. So you go so, out into people's houses and, and do decluttering for them. So yeah, so what I do, I offer a one-to-one hands-on decluttering service for my private clients Um I started off uh, back in 2017, so I'm three years in business for March of this year. And what um, I was starting off, say, with Cork County, and I keep forgetting we're into the new year already, but my service went nationwide as of last summer. Um, then, and I was a bit like, oh, I can't have two small kids, I have two small yeah. kids. But I kind of had to listen to the universe, Patricia, and I was like, oh my God, how many nudges do you need? 
So I have covered, I've gone to, started off Galway back in August, then Kerry and Dublin there back in December. Well done. So, well done. And yeah. I, I saw you're also running a, the decluttering workshop. I do, yeah, I'm doing decluttering workshop as well um, on the 18th of January in my local town here in Clannacilty in Twig Refill. So if anyone, there's still tickets available for anyone who wants to learn how to get started. And I suppose that's the biggest thing, Patricia Life has. What decluttering is, we are procrastinating it all the time, we're putting it off, we don't have the time and energy because, you know, you're coming back from work, you have kids, you're busy households, you might be working full-time or on a part-time basis and you're certainly not going to start decluttering like at, like 6 or 7 o'clock once you're yeah. trying to get dinners on the table, trying to get kids batted and up to bed. And, like, this is where I come in. I provide a holistic one-to-one hands-on service. So I take away the clutter at the end of the day. I transform a room, pin digging on the amount of clutter um, because everyone's clutter is personal and it's a different level in every house. And I transform a space in a day. And then for the client and, and for and for people who decide to do this themselves, Anne Marie, the difference it makes oh, to yeah. your life it's to walk changing. into a room that yeah. has been completely decluttered. Yeah. It's terrific. It's it's it, it really is amazing. Okay, a lot of people are saying terrific idea, well done, uh, Anne Marie. We all somebody says we all have too much in the kitchen. When you open yeah. up most people's cupboards, how many mugs and plates do you really and need? How many yeah. does Anne Marie have? How many? <laughs> that was like because um, I was running. Uh, you probably saw that I was running a bra appeal. I'm running. Well, I'm just coming to the end of it. But I was running a bra appeal for um for the women in South Africa. Yeah, I, I was going to tell people about that bra appeal. Actually, it was it's yeah. it was fantastic. So what happened was there was a friend of mine, um, and I was just with work. I just had kind of no time. But um, Kira, a friend of mine in County Tyrone, is a volunteer with the Nine Mellon Fund, and uh, she goes out numerous times out to South Africa. But these bras, Patricia, are luxury items to these women in South Africa. And if they don't have bras, it's kind of it kind of goes down back down to abuse and everything like that. So I'm all about supporting women in business and obviously my clients and obviously with charity. So um, I just put an appeal out on my page, Patricia, just saying if anyone has wearable bras in very good condition, please send them my way. I there's drop off points obviously in. Um, Clannacilty and other places in West Cork but I have literally today the postman is coming out with boxes of prayers every day to me they've been posted from the four corners of Ireland Roughly how many have you collected? Oh my god I'm up to like I'm about 10 big black bags I think at the moment and they're full to the max Isn't that incredible? Yeah And that brings that brought you then to use the opportunity how many bras do we actually need? Yes like and I (laughs) like I would have um the Echo um, asked me that. Um, Chris Stone asked me that in an article. She goes, how many bras do you use? Like, you were asking me about the songs. I have four bras. <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know what? The more stuff, like Patricia, we have, it's more washing. The machine, like I go into homes and the, the dishwashers and the washing machines never stop going. You can only wear, and again, like it's with, like kids' clothes. Because uh, I was with um, a family recently, but do you know what? The kids are in school five days a week. How much, like, they're only home two days of the week. So, like, work that out over the year. They need very little. And a lot of people, like, again, this time of year, Patricia, it is sale time. It's like, you have hit online shopping. You have to have it. We all, again, want a bargain. But it's going back and saying, okay, what do I need? And people get caught badly, didn't because growth spurts. Um, And then they're left with all these items. They're like, oh, my God, I paid good money for these, and I can't let them go again. And I'd advise clients, if they can, sell them. And if they can't sell, like, try selling it for a week, maybe two weeks. But if there's no pinch, if there's no kind of nod, I'd let it go to charity. You can only try. 
And there's, and there's wonderful charity shops who are yeah. all over who would be more than willing. Oh my God, absolutely. Like I would, like obviously here at my local town in Clannacilty, I support the St. Vincent de Paul here in Clannacilty. The Lodge in Clannacilty is another one of my um, places that I um, support nearly on a weekly basis. And they're the... Um, they are the itinerants are not that they're the refugees that are coming in um, on the boats from um, overseas that are literally have the clothes on their back. That's yeah, it. and yeah. they're setting up homes, and I'm going in there with pots and pans, uh, cutlery again, back to how many mugs, pots, and all these because they literally have nothing, Patricia. Yeah, and and that's what we all need to look at in our own kitchen. I mean, how many saucepans, how many frying yeah. pans do we, we actually use the need? Same things like yeah. we're creatures of yeah. habit, and I can't say it enough. We're creatures of habit and we use the same stuff all the time. But again, you see, we buy and like it kind of goes back again to our ancestral time. It was like the station. We bring out the good wear in the station time. And it's kind of, I'm, and I'm all about like, I have my new bridge cutlery and I use them for every day. It's, you know what, use them because they're there to be used. Get the value out of them because there's no point saving for that rainy day for that good day. Just use everything you have. Yeah, the China tea service that got used, yeah. as you say, on the stations. Uh, yeah. Every couple of years, and that was it. That was it. And, and then, you see, again, like the stations is kind of dying out. And like I had one client that would have had like maybe you know different uh, people had passed on and um, both sides of the family and had inherited a lot, maybe like twenty plus sets of um, China wear and kind of saying, okay, do you have stations here? No. And I was she was like, and a lot of it didn't was donated out. She kept kind of one or two good sets, but like. It kind of goes on because they really, again, do have a requirement for for whatever the item is. And it's like, mm, no, actually. And it kind of gets, and that's what I do. I'm there, like, I'm kind of planting a seed and I don't tell people, Patricia, what to keep or what to throw out or anything like that. All my clients are in control of, um, of the of the sessions. And it's all about, you know, it's a soft and gentle approach. But it's about kind of saying, okay, are they, a lot of my clients haven't been asked this question before. They're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Barbara says a good place to start and I did it over the Christmas holidays is the hot press. You'll be amazed what you yeah. find at the back of oh, a hot press. hot press. Barbara yeah. said I cleared out my hot press over the new year. I'm 20 years married would you believe I found two of my wedding presents still in the yes. original wrapping paper sheets yep. that I got. Oh my yep. God. <laughs> okay, clean out the hot press folks. All right, listen, White Sage Declutter, you're on Facebook if people want to uh, check out more and you do have, as they say, a workshop coming up this month that you're running in Clannacilty. Listen, I've really, I've really enjoyed uh, my chat with you, Anne-Marie. Thank you for that and uh, good, luck with, good luck with your company. Thanks, Thanks for joining Thank us. Uh, bye-bye. 1850 That is Anne-Marie Kingston of White Sage Declutter. And yesterday when we were talking about getting rid of the Christmas decorations and some people were taking them like Amory taking them down early to use the opportunity to clean up the house uh, we had a couple of people said what do we do with the used Christmas cards and thank you to Imelda who emailed me to say Patricia the Mother Teresa sisters in Blarney they reuse upcycle religious only Christmas cards they cut up the crib scene and make it into cards for the following years if anybody wants to pass on your used religious Christmas cards only to Mother Teresa's sisters in uh, Blarney. And Imelda said to everybody else then who's deciding to recycle their cards, because I was saying, whatever you do, if you can't find somebody, can't find good use for them, make sure that they go into the recycling bin. Uh, Imelda says, could you please remind people that any material like hard plastic, you know, the way some of the cards will have hard plastic on it, they're not recyclable. It's only the paper part 
that uh, is. So thank you for that, uh, Imelda. But the Mother Teresa Sisters in Blarney reuse and upcycle religious Christmas cards. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Hey, it's Simon. I'm back on Monday morning and whether it's Ed Sheeran, Adele, Bruce Springsteen or Bob Marley, I'm playing Cork's Greatest Hits first thing in the morning. I've got over €2,800 to give away. Yeah, it could be yours. Tune in Monday to win. And that Monday morning traffic, it could be tricky. I'll help you through. Enjoy the weekend. See you Monday from 6. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, some of your texts coming in. Firstly, unused stamps. A couple of suggestions in. Somebody says McCarthy's Fruit and Veg. They're based in the square in McCroom. They actually take used stamps and they take used Christmas cards. So that's good to know. And I, I like to get when we hear of locations like that where you can actually drop them in because as I mentioned before sometimes the posting of the actual item can cost more than what the charity will actually make out of it so McCarthy's Fruit and Veg in the Square McCroom used stamps and your Christmas cards and if you are if you do want to post used stamps Thank you to Graham in uh, Newcastle West. A happy New Year, he says. Had many happy returns. Uh, Graham, used stamps can be sent to Brooke, P.O. Box 16992, Sutton in Coalfield in England. They are a donkey welfare society and they take used stamps. So, yeah, there are some charities that still take on used stamps. It's just I don't know if as many take them as did previously because I just don't know how popular stamp collecting is today as it was say for previous generations so two suggestions there thank you for people taking out the t- taking the time out to send those uh, on to us and then Mike in uh, Star Trek Mike Fitzgerald in Star Trek uh, good afternoon and, and many happy returns to you on your New Year greetings Mike it says I'm saving plastic corks off milk cartons etc uh, are they of any use to anyone or Am I better off just recycling them? Now, plastic corks, I'm assuming it's the plastic caps you're talking about on milk cartons. So that came in during the news. I did a quick Google search to see, could I find anyone that's collecting the tops off plastic bottles to use for charities? And from what I can gather, I'm getting no, there are no, certainly no companies in Ireland collecting them. And what people are suggesting is the best thing is to send them for recycling because they can be recycled. Now, across the pond in the United Kingdom, they... There's a number of charities over there that collect the milk bottle tops. They're the foil ones. And many years ago, when we used to have wonderful milk bottles, sometimes delivered to our doors, if you lived in an area that had a a milk delivery service, people used to collect, used to clean them, you know, clean them out, store them. And then when you had a bag full of them, you sent them on to there was various charities were collecting them. But of course, we don't, there's very few milk bottles now it's all milk cartons we are using. So we don't have those foil tops. So that certainly is still going on in England. So maybe it was because of that that Mike started collecting them. But we'll, we'll throw it out. I certainly can't find anyone that is using the plastic bottle caps and lids to be used in, in charity. It's what people, from what I can gather, that was just on a quick online search though. 
Um, there but you just get them for recycling but we'll throw it out there Mike because if somebody if there's anyone listening who knows the plastic tops of milk cartons does anybody know of anybody collecting them for use other than giving them in for recycling can you let us know because Mike has been collecting them I don't know for how long or how many he has uh, thank you Mike 1850 uh, Hi Patricia oh this is all on the air ambulance that we were talking about earlier today Tim says I've been worried since the very beginning about maintaining the funding for the air ambulance hearing that it's 1.5 million I thought it was a million euro a year needed to be raised but I got that clarified today by John Murray the ambulance said, the pilot who said no it's 1.5 million a year needs to be raised by charity in order to keep the air ambulance airborne but it's how they do it in other countries it's a model that does work if they can get the fundraising up off the ground and running uh, efficiently and effectively and the money has to keep coming in every single week in order to keep the air ambulance afloat. Tim says anyway, he's always worried about that side of it. And he makes an interesting point. He said, I wonder if the health insurance companies should pay some kind of a levy towards the air ambulance. Fire insurance companies pay for fire engines in the past because the fire engines actually saved them money by saving lives and also by getting in in time and putting out a fire and, you know, limiting the amount of damage, which is a good, good suggestion, Tim. I don't know if the powers that be behind the air ambulance have looked at that. Could the health insurance companies pay some kind of a levy towards it? Because certainly, yeah, it will be saving them money and saving lives. So it's a, it's a good and a valid point, Tim. Thank you for your suggestion. Patricia, how are you doing? Says Luke and Matt, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. It's an absolute disgrace that the air ambulance may be shut down, even if only temporarily. Everyone will need this service at some stage in their lives and it's essential that we keep it going. If anyone is starting up a flag day or any other kind of fundraising, says Luke and Mallow, I would be only too happy to help out. Thank you for that. And we have Luke's telephone number here. If anybody's involved in any kind of fundraising fundraiser for the air ambulance in the Mallow or surrounding areas, we have a willing helper here. Thank you for that, Uh, Luke. We were talking about organ donors and the fact that a new piece of legislation is going to be going before the houses of the Oireachtas for this soft opt-out scheme whereby if you don't want your organs to be donated, then you will literally have to either, I'm assuming they'll put it online Um, they'll have to do it by post as well but there will be some kind of a scheme whereby there will be a register where you will let your loved ones know in advance that if God forbid something happens to you and you end up in that situation where your organs are of use for somebody else and they're going to be of no use to you but you're going to have to actually physically opt out and they reckon it will increase the amount of organs that will become available for donation and I said in the meantime while we wait for that legislation actually I was really taken aback uh, when I was talking with uh, Philip Watts of the Irish Irish Donor Network. We've been talking about this since 2009, 10 years ago. Over 10 years ago now we started talking about this. That's absolutely crazy. But anyway, and in the meantime, while we're waiting for it to come, come through, I said to people, don't forget, pick up a donor car- card, have a, have a donor card with you. And that's led to somebody who just signs themselves C in Cork. I had a donor card maybe 20, 25 years ago, but I've mislaid it. Where do I get a new one from? Donor cards, I've, se- I've certainly seen them anytime I'm in the doctor's surgery. They always have donor cards. And I'm open to correction, but I think every single chemist stocks donor cards as well so they are quite easy to pick up but what's most important see in Cork when you get your donor card and you fill it in is that you speak to 
your loved ones and you let them know that you have a donor card and you let them know that if God forbid and please God it would never happen but you, if you end up in that situation where the hospital are saying nothing else can be done for you but there is a chance that your don- your organs could be donated to help somebody else that your family know your wishes that is the most important part of that conversation having the card in your hand is not enough your family members need to know your wishes and intentions 1850 would you please wish my brother Michael Sheehan a very happy special birthday don't know what age he is but happy special birthday to you Michael your sister Marion wants to wish you all the best and hi Patricia do you know Bloom to Improve is starting next Sunday and it's the special one it's a two-parter actually focusing on Dermot Bannon's house himself now I'm looking forward to seeing this I really am and it seems that Dermot Bannon will be seen suffering a huge crisis of confidence in his own work as an architect as he takes on what can be only described as his most challenging project uh, to date. He is taking over the doing up of his own family home. Himself and his wife took the plunge a few years ago and decided to splash out on a new property for their family. Now they live, they wanted to stay in the same area. They're in around the kind of the Drumcondra area of Dublin's north side. Now seemingly this this will be shown in the project that he may have bitten off more than he can chew as he realises it isn't always a good idea to mix the personal with the professional and it's a two-part special that kicks off next Sunday. He is, it's a 1930s house. It needs a substantial amount of work and he aims to turn it into a sprawling two-storey extension that will actually make the original footprint of the house triple in size. He started the renovation work back in December of 2018 but it has proven to be his toughest rebuild uh, to date. It features in a two-part special on Room to Improve. Now he does team up with his old college buddy uh, an architect by the name of Kieran Deville um, who tries to do his best to steer him away from the predictable and also helping him out with the quantities of air. Patricia Power and builder Graham Byrne uh, is the guy tasked with doing all of the physical building work but it seems that taking Taking on the challenge of being both client and architect proves a step too far for Dermot Bannon, who is seen stressing up the scale of the rebuild. He says, I've lost all sense of belief in what I do. I've lost trust in myself. I kind of don't know what I'm doing. I've lost all concept of what scale is, what's big, what's small. He describes in the programme as being very tired and very stressed out about the whole thing. And as proof, nobody's immune from dreaded budget problems, which is something that Dermot Bannon always has a go at his clients about. He says he has to grapple with financial issues with what turns out to be a very costly revamp. And just when he's reaching peak levels of frustration, he has to turn to award-winning architect Niall McLaughlin for help. Dermot Bannon will be seen joining him in a design masterclass as he tries to get to grips with the intricacies 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 that's a hard word to say of his ambitious projects. He and his wife Louise have been in the previous house with their children who they have a 15 year old an 11 year old and a 7 year old and they've been living in their previous home for 13 years but the children are starting to grow and they're, you know, getting into the one already into the teenage years, two coming up into the teenage years. And they just discovered we just did not have enough space. So that's why they bought this property, this 1930s property and decided that they do a rebuild. And as I say, it starts two part 
of Dermot Bannon's room to improve on his own house. That's well worth a watch next uh, Sunday night. 1850-333-103. And thank you to Mary who says, Hi Patricia, we in Kilbehany National School are collecting milk bottle tops at the moment to create an outdoor art project in April. And we'd love to get Michael's bottle tops. Isn't that terrific? Well, wasn't it lucky I gave it a mention because when I saw it first, I was thinking there's nobody collecting those bottle tops. So Mike Fitzgerald in Star Trek, there you go. Kilbehany National School. And thank you to Mary for sending on that uh, piece of information. And would you please send me on a photograph of your outdoor art project that you're doing from milk bottle tops. I certainly would be interested in taking a look at that. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Irish Blood Transfusion have a donor clinic in the Sales Sports Hall in Kinsale. They're there from now until half past three this afternoon or if you're in the city. The City Centre Clinic in St Finbar's Hospital is open until one o'clock today. Ballonhassa Community Development have got a social dance in the Marion Hall tonight. Uh, dancing is to CNM Sound from 9.45. Clyde Rovers GAA, their lotto draw is in Derry Murphy's Railway Bar tonight with a jackpot. €4,050 with tickets available from Jerry O'Donoghue. And tickets are now on sale from Alice in Pantoland in Formoy Community Youth Centre. It opens on Tuesday the 14th of January and runs up to and including Sunday the 26th with a total of 10 shows. It's a major fundraising event for the Youth Centre. You can book now by contacting Formoy Community Youth Centre and they're based at Ashkey in Formoy. A Mallow Basketball Club are hosting an under 16 girls charity basketball tournament tomorrow. It's in aid of hope. The first game in both venues, Mallow Youth Centre and St Mary's Secondary School will start at 9am and then the final will be played in the Youth Centre at about 5.30pm. There will be a cover charge of €2 at the door and you're please asked to support. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie the GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Rochestown Park Hotel. This is what it's all about. This is what you uh, you train hard for and you're motivated. And for this is what we want to do is for days to enjoy like this. Great celebrations for Father O'Neill's Cork and Munster Intermediate Hurling Champions. And the November Award winner is ace sharpshooter Declan Dalton for his part in their success. The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards, recognising outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA. This one is for you. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, as we mentioned earlier today, Marion Finucane has been described as a defining voice of the nation. And many, many people have uh, been have come out very fulsome in their praise of Marion Finucane since her death was announced, uh, her sudden death was announced uh, yesterday. Now, Bibi Baskin, a former uh, fellow broadcaster, joins me on the programme. Good afternoon to you, Bibi. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, Bibi, what was it about Marion Finucane that made her such an outstanding broadcaster and saw her do the job for almost 50 years? Yeah, it's a very long time, isn't it? And, you know, it's by the very nature of broadcasting itself that very often people come and go 
But no, she remained steadfast. I think it was her humanity. You know, she, she didn't like the stardom bit at all. She had no time for celebrity. You would hardly have known even that she had a husband and, and a son. She kept all that way out of the limelight. And in its place, there was this wonderful, in my view anyway, this wonderful identification with an ordinary person out there, her listeners. And I think it was that degree of humanity that made her appealing. I mean, she had her critics, and in recent years, to tell you the truth, I really got almost fed up. Uh, I follow social media a lot, and her critics were so cruel to her in recent years on social media, talking about her cough. We all knew she had a bit of a smoker's cough. For God's sake, that's her own business. Talking about things like that, and finding fault with her, which I think now in this very poignant time after such a sudden death and not a very old age either, I hope those people are feeling miserable. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, another part of Marion Finucane that a lot of people may not have known about was her charity work in South Africa. I I didn't know that either, to be honest. I just read about it since she died. No, again, you see, she she never courted that sort of publicity. She just did her thing and and that was it. Did you, had you listened to and did you listen to it live, the the famous new law of Whelan? Oh God, yeah. I heard that way back, whatever. It's quite a few years ago now, Patricia. And then, of course, I read bits of it again and heard it again over this weekend. Is it the weekend? I don't know. We're all confused with Christmas, New Year. Whatever day it is. Um, Yeah, well, that was most poignant. I worked with Nula as well, you know, and I knew that they were very close buddies. And even Marion herself said at the time, Nula was not the easiest person in the world, and I can I can assure you she wasn't. But that interview was an interview of such poignancy and tenderness and understanding. And honest to God, I don't know how Marion held herself together. No, no. I don't know. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted that yesterday. I was making the point that to interview, you know, a very close friend who yeah. is facing death... Yeah. And oh. she did it in such a professional and moving way. And I think that goes back to your point about the humanity of the woman. Yeah, I think so too. But even with that, that is still a huge challenge. Because, you know, nowadays when I'm uh, uh, giving talks or teaching classes about public speaking, I will always say to these young folk who become my students, don't have your partner in the audience. Don't have your mother in the audience. Don't have your best friend in the audience because you will automatically be drawn to them. They're a kind of a disturbance. And if you follow that line of thought and bring it into the realm of friendship, someone you know so well, talking about their last days. Yeah. I mean, that that was a mighty thing to pull off. It and it was. also was at a time when we, I think maybe we're getting a bit better at it, you didn't, you never really heard a lot of people talking about their imminent death. It wasn't it's almost like death was taboo. We didn't, you know, just don't talk well, about think, that. I think it still is. Yeah. I think it's yeah. probably the last taboo subject that we have to deal with during our lifetime anyway. Because I remember, um, when I went to to, uh, live and work in India, they have such a different attitude to death. I'm not saying they welcome it, but they just treat it as part of the next installment of life. 
And of course, that would come from predominantly the Hindu belief in re, re, what are they call a repeated lives that you'll come back again, 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 again. Reincarnation, so, yeah. Reincarnation, I couldn't think of the word. And so when you die this time, it's not the end of it all. And I think that's what gives the Indians an easier uh, an easier road into the whole death scenario. And I remember going to the, the wake of the father of my Indian business partner. And you know how we would have had a wedding album at a wedding here, the photographs and yeah. all that? God didn't they have what you would call it a death album? An album of photographs of the dead man? Wow. Now, I, with my Western mind, I couldn't take that at all. So yeah, we have a long distance to go in terms of getting over that taboo subject. And definitely and that, that interview with Nula helped. I think it would have helped a, a number of people. It would, I'm sure, at the time, but we forget too easily and too quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's another subject, maybe you yourself could bring it up. I mean, we we immediately recoil at the thought. We think, oh, we turn that off now. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Which is wrong. It's going to happen. We should tackle we, it. We can't but, stop it. That's for no, sure. But Marion did it with a plum. And she was just back from India because she loved to travel and she was just back from India where she was attending a wedding, I believe, with, with her son, um, Jack. She, When you moved to India and your hotel project, Marion yeah. interviewed you. She did, and that came about by almost foul means. <laughs> Nothing to do with Marion herself at all. But I went off, you know, in a bit of a hurry and again without any any fanfare, because like Marion, I don't like that whole celebrity nonsense. I think it's a whole load of you-know-what. Um, and then there was somebody in a certain Sunday newspaper who uh, wrote to me for advice, pretending she was a travel agent. And I wrote back and said, yes, this is how you travel to India and all the rest of it. So she found me out, and then it was splattered all over the papers that I was involved in the tourism business in India and all the rest of it. So I thought to counteract all of that, I just admit to it and send out a little bit of a press release to various journals in Ireland. I did that, and Marion was the first one to come and look for an interview. And she interviewed me. I was standing on the steps of the hotel in the tropical sun, looking at the coconuts that were growing everywhere and looking out at the Arabian Sea. And I remember using words like that and then telling her about the project. And why and, you know, and why you were doing it? Yeah, but you know, to be honest, I didn't feel she got it. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I think. You see, I had no context at that time. I was just this crazy that had the fantasy job in RTE, the coveted job, yeah. and then went off, you know, to a developing country on my own and thought she should become a hotelier. If I'd, if I'd been a few years into the project and had shown some measure of success, I think Marion might have been a bit less tough on me. But she kind of gave me a bit of a whack. She probably <laughs> thought you were cracked, thinking, what are you doing, baby? Come back here to your pensionable job. Oh, no, I never had a pensionable oh, job. Not, I'm not well, that sensible. Yeah, but, 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 but a secure enough job because you were good at what you did. And, and I wondered when I was chatting with John Paul in the office and we were saying we'd bring Bibi on uh, to talk about Marion today. It struck me, you know, when you see somebody like Marion Finucane, nearly yeah. 50 years yeah. doing the I mean, she literally came out of college, uh, ne- nearly 50 years. If you had stayed in RTE, yeah. Yeah. We would probably be saying the same thing about you. Do you have any regrets about leaving Not it? even a shadow of well a regret. Not a real regret. Not even a shadow. Not even a comma of a stop. The smallest bit of a regret. There is just no way 
that I could do the same job anywhere in the world. It wasn't just RTE. For 50 years and call it living, that's existing. That's not living. But if, if she, but she enjoyed it. She loved doing what she did. So long as she loved it, I'm just saying about me. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't okay. love it. I need okay. the variety, yeah. Okay. But I, I can't imagine doing it. Are you going to do it for 50 years? I listened. Liz, BB, I'm I'm 30 years doing it this year. I'm nearly. I'm over oh. halfway there. I don't know if I'll be oh. here for 50, but I'm 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 th- I'm coming up to. Th- I'm into my 30th year now, so I'll I'll hang well. on to that one. How did the book go? We we spoke to you before Christmas. It was it was. How did it go for you? Surprisingly well. Thank you very much for that lovely interview. By the way, surprisingly well because we got some corporates interested in it. Great. And uh, you know, if if the CEO wants to buy a copy for the new year, especially. Because it's kind of one of those positive quotes books uh, that has come in. A few of those have come in for employees of a couple of significant uh, companies. Brilliant. So that's been very nice, and we're still at it. The office opens again on Monday. Brilliant. And hopefully, Brilliant. there'll be a few more. Well, yeah. it was funny because after I did the interview with you, we spoke with the solicitor in the city who was suggesting that businesses cancel the Christmas party this year because of the shenanigans that went on at various Christmas parties this year that led to people losing their jobs or people resigning and I actually said they'd be better off if they gave instead of a Christmas party give everyone a copy of BB's book it'll be the right thing to do for 2020 All right, we leave it there listen thank you a pleasure as always to talk to you and uh, have a lovely weekend thanks for joining us bye 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 the the lovely BB Baskin uh, remembering the late great Marion Finucane who sadly passed away uh, quite suddenly yesterday 1850 333103 John Paul taking your course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open 7 days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go Grab our podcasts and get all the latest court news on your phone tablet smart speaker and radio How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Turn up the volume. We are C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us in studio. Good afternoon to you. Hi, Patricia. And many happy new year. And to you. Many happy, happy new year. I was going to say many happy returns. <laughs> happy new year to you. Uh, you're, you're welcome along. Okay, you went Thank to you. the movies over Christmas. A lot of movies out and about over Christmas. And you went along to see the new Star Wars movie and then streaming is a movie called uh, On Six Underground. Oh, okay. Let's start with a little trailer from this is the new Star Wars uh, movie that is episode 9 yes uh, The Rise of Skywalker all we've done all this time what are you doing there 3PO taking one last look sir at my friends confronting fear it's the destiny of a Jedi your destiny <laughs> Till the end, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Okay, The Rise of Skywalker. Does this pick up where the last one left off, or where are we with this one? Well, it's funny you should say that because it doesn't really. Because basically, you know, this is the ninth in the series. This is where it all kind of finishes. Uh, you know, from the first film back in 1977, which actually, when you think about it was kind of number four because the first three became four, five and six. Uh, the prequels that came after those oh, became course. one, two yeah, and three. Yeah. And yeah. so this is uh, six, no, this is seven, eight and nine. So well, this is it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, this is, is it? Uh, I presume so. Well, okay. this particular story anyway of the whole Skywalker kind of uh, okay. uh, uh, storyline. But it's funny you should say that now because the last film wasn't very well received. It was made by a guy called Ryan Johnson. I think he tried to do something a little bit more difficult, uh, d- different. And he's the decided to take it a different way and uh, the fanboys did not like it at all in fact there was an online petition uh, which was signed by about 300,000 who want that film just wiped from the whole Sky War, uh, Star Wars kind of saga and they hated it they didn't like it at all and in fact what I think what happened was Disney kind of panicked a little bit because the film didn't really do it very well and they thought what are we going to do so they brought back J.J. Uh, Abrahams who had made The Force Awakens before that which everybody pretty much liked a lot of people liked it they thought it was really good uh, a lot of the fans were kind of pleased some were obviously because there is you know um, there are a group out there of uh, Star Wars people who want basically um, the storylines that they want and they don't want anybody trying anything different they want to recreate that kind of um, excitement they had as kids back in the, the you know when they watched the first grown up. films, but they've grown up. And that, yeah. I think that's the thing, and I think that's something we have to understand. These are made for kids, and of course, kids love these movies. My teenager loves these movies, and I've shown yeah. them all to her. And you know, they've got to understand that you can't recreate being ten years of age again. Yeah, and what you felt like at ten when and you I, watched yeah. a movie. And I think that's what they're that's what they're searching for all the time, but they're not getting it because these films are not made for them uh, anymore. Uh, so it's almost like uh, they went to JJ Disney. He went to JJ and said, look, come back 
and make another film. And it's almost like they just completely disregarded the the previous film. It's like it just didn't exist at all, which wow. is yeah, which is kind of interesting. And so this is pretty much a kind of a sequel, really, to The Force Awakens. And so, yeah, so the, basically the, the story is is that um, well, the, 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 the film kind of concentrates once again on Kylo Ren and uh, and Rey, here played by Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley. So Daisy Ridley as Rey is trying to figure out uh, who are, what her background is. Where does she come from? Because yeah. there's constant hints that she 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 she, she is a, she's a nothing. She's a nobody. That she's come from nothing. But at the same time, she's got all this kind of power. She has the force. So how why does she have this amount of power? And who are her parents? And who, you know, and, and her background. While at the same time, Kylo Ren, played brilliantly here by Adam Driver, it must be said, is trying desperately to kind of bring her and her um, her 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 power to the dark side. At the same time. They, of course, uh, are in action. Uh, the, the, the Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, uh, Oscar Isaac, they get together. They've, it's almost like they've decided, well, what are we going to do with this movie? Well, just we'll get them to go on a series of kind of adventures uh, to try and find what's called the Sith Wayfinder device. And some of those work and some of those kind of doesn't, you know. Uh, there's one sequence, for example, where they end up in this cave with the snake, which doesn't really work at all. You just think, that's a bit kind of cringeworthy. But again, maybe if you're 10 years of age, you love the fact that there's this huge snake in there and you might find that uh, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, so they go on all these kind of uh, ridiculous kind of adventures, some of which work, some of which don't. There's constant references to them being a team because that was what happened in the last film. They all went off in separate kind of yeah, adventures. Yeah. And a team works, and I think, uh, the dynamic once you have a group of actors uh, like this. And they're all very, very good, and especially Oscar Isaac, who I think is underused. I always thought, after The Force Awakens, and he was obviously, for me, one of the big stars of that. I really thought that they would promote him. Uh, but they don't. He's kind of like a kind of a background figure, which is a shame because every time he's on screen, he's really, really good and really, really exciting. There's a lot of fan service, though, at work here, and it's almost like because of the last film, it didn't do very well, and they just thought, look, you know, we've got to look after the fans here, and there is a lot of fan service uh, in this movie, uh, which, again, some people don't like, some do, some of the fans said, fine, it's done okay, it's uh, number one in the box office, I enjoyed it, the teenager got very emotional watching it, because she just she's grown up watching all of these movies, and loves uh, all of these uh, movies, I thought it was all right. You know, I was a bit disappointed with the ending. I think for me, it, it's not exactly for me the most adventurous film. I think it's not the most original film. And it's almost like, you know, they went, OK, we would do this, 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 this. And this will keep everybody happy and we'll just put it out. And I was slightly disappointed with it. I enjoyed it at the time, but afterwards I did have a lot of questions. OK, all right. And it's at the movies, uh, Star Wars, uh, Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Mark it out of 10. I give it 7. Uh, so, and do you think that is it? Do you think there won't be another one? Oh, there'll be more Star Wars uh, films. No. But this particular storyline is gone. It's gone. It, yeah. Okay. Now, you are streaming as Six Underground. Yeah. It's described as an action adventure comedy. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the first thing to keep in mind is that it's directed by Michael Bay. So a, a lot is going to, to depend on whether or not you like Michael Bay because Michael Bay is kind of renowned basically for explosions and violence and shooting okay. and action. And um, and that's what he's done all his career. And there is a there is a lot of people out there who just can't abide him. They hate him. In fact, his films are called Bayhem because they're called <sighs> Mayhem. Bayhem, and okay. and this is this is where they, they 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 you know part of the advertising for the film is that this is this is where Michael Bay outbays himself in this film because he had 150 million uh, of the budget to work on here, and he could basically do anything he wants, and he has done that. I mean, he has just turned everything up to eleven: the explosions, the shooting, the violence. I mean, it really is quite extraordinary to, to look at. That doesn't necessarily mean to say it's pretty good, though. Like, there's a for example, the film starts with a 20 minute kind of sequence in Florence and Italy. 
uh, where where our, our heroes in inverted commas uh, are running away from uh, the the mafia because they've killed uh, the, the the mafia head guy, okay. and so you have this sequence where they're rifling through the the streets of Florence, creating mayhem, creating crashes, knocking people over. People are dying. Innocent people are dying here, and you kind of think, this, what, why? What, what is this all about? It's because Michael Bay just doesn't care. And later on in the film, in fact, one of the bad guys obviously does run over uh, an innocent person on the street, and they and the good guys go, "What? Well, it's a terrible thing to do." So obviously he's just playing with your emotions here. He's basically saying to you, I don't care what you think, I'm going to make this and I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And um, and so it's just this constant two and a half hours of action, explosions and mayhem and a incredible story line. Well, the storyline is Ryan Reynolds basically is this kind of, he's a billionaire who wants to do good for the world. Okay. And so what he decides to do is he decides to fake his own death. And by doing that, you become a ghost and that way you can travel all over the world and people don't realise it's you and don't know who you are because in reality you're supposed to be dead. So he gets a team of six people, six underground, uh, of uh, people uh, who are kind of killers. And Untraceable agents. Exactly. So okay. to get together and so they then as that team then will go after the bad guys in the world whilst killing innocent people uh, at the same time which is very, very odd. And um, and so there's a lot of that and so it's just this constant, constant um, kind of chase sequence really. The film from the the, the very first moment doesn't let up. Uh, there's a sequence where they try to rescue somebody in a building which is uh, surrounded by all these guards and they have all this technology at, um, at their hands and yet they don't really do something really, really clever. Like a lot of movies they would have this clever break in like a Mission Impossible and something really, yeah, really yeah. kind of uh, something integrate, integrate like like that but no what he basically does is they make mistakes constantly they're always arguing they're always making a mess of everything and I think the reason for that is he just wants explosions he just wants shooting he wants explosions he wants banging and crashing and it does become really, really tiring after a while, which is a shame because the film looks amazing. I mean, it, you know, the 150 million budget is there. It looks extraordinary. Ryan Reynolds is always fun to watch, although, again, he's playing Deadpool here. It should be pointed out. And, um, yeah, if you like your, 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 you know, your explosions, if you like to see people die incredibly violently um, and you like banging, crashing and you're gonna love this. action. You're gonna is love it, it a little bit like what you were talking about with the Star Wars that, you know, playing to the fans? Is that what this guy does? Is he sort of put, like, does he, as you say, people that are going along to a Michael Bay movie are going to expect it. So is he saying, oh, I better put it in, they're going to expect it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it's and as I say, he just just over, it's just completely no over the top. It. It's, yeah. it's extraordinary. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't uh, be a parent to, um, to bring my eight year old to watch this. I mean, it, that's not uh, something I would recommend in any way, shape or form. I mean, the, the violence is extraordinary at times. Um, and, you know, um, I found it after a while to be a very, very difficult watch. I was never really bored by it, but uh, I wasn't really entertained by it. And of course, is there the, any comedy in it? There, there is. Well, this is it. They, they run somebody over in the street and they're making jokes about it. And you're thinking, well, that's, guys, not, that's not really appropriate. And of course, the other thing is Michael Bay's treatment of women. There's a lot of kind of shots from the ground up, uh, you know, women's dresses. And, and he loves those shots. And they've always been creepy and uh, and not very nice and voyeuristic. And um, but that's Michael Bay for you. Oh, God, that's right. When you go along, you know what you're going to expect. OK, mark it out of 10. Three. Three out of mm. 10. OK, it's called Six uh, Underground. By the way, since we're talking about the Star Wars, it just E.T. for some reason shot into my head when you were talking about it. Did you see the piece that was made for TV? Well, it, was, it was an ad, wasn't it, for, for Sky? 
It was. It was in that. Yeah. Well, actually, I think it was for um, um, an American company, a kind of a oh. IT company. I okay. Think, it was like yeah. a remake. Of, it was ET came back? Yeah. Just to, Henry, Henry to Thomas see, was in it. Yeah. To see Elliot. Yeah, I did see it. Boy, did I, yeah. There's it was like, wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah. There's about a six-minute version. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that been done before with I think Home Alone. They did it with yeah, uh, yeah. With Macaulay Culkin. They did yeah. it with Ferris Bueller. Uh, you know, I love Ferris Bueller. And it, yeah, again, it's fan service, isn't it? It's nostalgia. Oh, but it was just I think for us, for the generation of us that remembered well I saw when E.T. came out I saw it three times in a week yeah. I, I thought it was extraordinary because I was a huge fan of Spielberg at the time so I was a bit cynical and then I watched it and I did cry uh, yeah. I it thought was it was go- extraordinary it was gorgeous it, it was, was beautifully absolutely made absolutely gorgeous and just in time for Christmas and all that it, yeah. was, it was lovely well, well done to whoever came up with it because it was terrific ok listen have a great week and we'll talk to you next Friday that's uh, Mark Malone our movie reviewer Nick Richards is next turning up the feel good with these tunes <laughs> That's Nick Richards from One and Martina from Four with Feel Good Friday. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We're back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock onto the Nine Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from four on C103. The best in music, the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news. Drive time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom. The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020. See kellersofmacroom.ie. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.